Jersey to the Lance Herb Show. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Cause it's a war on the real, baby, look outside. Uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. Yes, yes, indeed. We are back with Brother Neil Frazier. He is going to teach as he always does. It's always something that is nutritional for the mind, body and soul. And I say body also, because if your if your mind and your soul ain't right, your body damn sure is not going to be right. Excuse me for the language, but I'm going to open up the screen right now. Brother Neil Frazier is in position right with the Bob Marley picture up there. Just position just right. And as all, always, I don't even have to say anything uh, more. You know who he is. And if you don't know who he is, you won't be able to forget him once you listen to him. And that's the bottom line. You know, like I said, this is better than uh, so-called college. Understand that because he's giving it to us where we need it. You understand what good is it to have a plate full of food that gets knocked over on the floor and you can't eat it, <laughs> it to you right where we need it. You know, and we need a whole lot because we as black people, we have voids in us that have been in place for centuries. And is, that is by design. So he is better than the doctor because he's coming to bring you a word that's going to heal you up and have have you breathing the air better, seeing the sunlight better, feeling stronger and thinking clearer. Right. So here we go, brother. The floor is yours. I'm glad to have you here. This is a platform, but it's a plate and you are the meal. So we're ready to chow down with what you have to bring. Talk well, thank to you, me, brother. brother Lance. Uh, always good to be with you on Mondays. A uh, big shout out to uh, everyone in the chat room, the family. I was getting ready to exit on that last line. <laughs> 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 Since I'm still here, I better go through with it. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's always good to be back with the family, you and the family on Monday. And uh, today's lesson is a uh, is a very very important subject. Um, one of the one of the reasons that uh, it's a very important subject. Is because for the most part, these brave black men who served in the United States military, the you know, the, in the early days of the United States military, accomplished things that no other regiment of soldiers during that time 
had ever accomplished. Um, <clears throat> we want to go through a lot of their accomplishments, but I just want to kind of put the uh, topic out there. I know you have it, had it on the uh, subtitle there, but it's uh, education and intelligence solving your own problems and the biggest mistake that we make as a people. Yes. So <clears throat> going back to, uh, to what I was saying, in the history books, much of what is taught about this time period from 1866 to uh, the 1900s is very, very fabricated. Um, the book, let's start from the beginning because again, I wanna say that a lot of our people um, as history went on in the way the stories have been told and, and we'll, we'll cover some of that. Look at the Buffalo soldiers as traitors and in uh, modern history after a lot of the things that were um, known or discovered about um, what they, their functions in the military was. But again, many of us have only gotten a small portion of uh, what they actually did, who they actually were. A lot of these uh, great men have been lost to history. Um, we're gonna bring up um, some of their names and talk about them as well. But this is something that most definitely needs to be taught to our children because they left this out of the history books. If they mention the Buffalo Soldiers, it's a, a, they don't mention them in the history books, I should say. But if you see them, when we used to see anything about them, it was just a small caption of, you know, just showing like the cavalry. But we're going to break it down today. And uh, I, I remember two of my older brothers uh, went to Tuskegee they, uh, in the 50s. They're both in uh, Tuskegee Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, one of my brothers, uh, well, in the Tuskegee Hall of Fame for basketball, and then one of them is in there for basketball and football. But I can remember as a kid, the first time uh, I saw a pamphlet that they that was at home that they had brought back from Tuskegee. And I saw, uh, it was the first time I saw the picture of the Tuskegee Airmen and uh, the uh, Buffalo Soldiers. And so it wasn't until years later, um, I was uh, dating, a, a, a young lady, she, uh, her father actually was a Tuskegee Airman. But I had heard the stories, my brother that went into the military, this was something that inspired him. One of the most celebrated uh, uh, men in US military history that should be known uh, Moses Williams, Sergeant, First Sergeant Moses Williams was a fascinating man. Um, and matter of fact, Lance, I believe you are um, related to General Colin Powell. 
And uh, Colin Powell in 1991 uh, did a dedicated a ceremony in uh, I think it was Vancouver, Washington, where Moses uh, Williams is buried. But uh, I want to go over a couple of uh, things about the Tuskegee. Uh, I'm sorry, the Tuskegee Airmen, but more importantly, the Buffalo Soldiers. Um, actually, there were. 180,000 of these men, um, they fought first in the Civil War. Now, when you read the history books, you hear about Davy Crockett at the Alamo. Uh, you hear about, and, and these are isolated um, battles. And then you hear about uh, what's his name, uh, Daniel Boone, who uh, built the first fortress going west uh, that's called Boonstown. Okay, and all of this um, history, it actually glorifies these men, such as uh, John Fremont. Everything here in California is named after him. Um, but they glorify these men um, as the greatest frontiersmen in American history. But I, um, I, I beg to differ on that. Um, and let's look at the history of the Buffalo Soldiers and then you know, we'll plainly see why um, that they should be, uh, have a special place in American history because the frontier would certainly have fell if it wasn't for these brave black soldiers who actually guarded uh, the frontier from Canada, the uh, Canadian border, all the way down to the Mexican border and going further uh, east as far as the Colorado uh, Rockies. So uh, <clears throat> Dr. Uh, William Leakey, who did a 20-year study on the, the 9th and the 10th Calvary, okay, which one in every five uh, uh, soldiers during that time were Black, the Buffalo Soldiers. Now, they got this name because when the uh, Native Indians the ones, the modern day ones, um, when they <clears throat> first saw them, it reminded them of the buffaloes that had the, the woolly hair in between their horns or what have you. And so that name stuck with uh, the buffalo soldiers. But they were instrumental in every war that the United States fought. And this is another tragedy that these men are left out of uh, the history books because they played, as we'll see today, they played a very pivotal role in, uh, in the westward expansion of the United States, as well as the building of the uh, expansion of the Western expansion of the United States. Um, but as I said, Moses Williams was a, a name that was celebrated in black history. 
um, you know, up until we started getting these modern people who, um, black people who begin to see them as traitors. But our people love the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, one of the first black men to go to West Point was, uh, was uh, what's his name, Charles Young. And Charles Young is also very celebrated in the annals of black history. Um, you know, I can remember how, how much pride black people had uh, whenever that name Charles Young came up or Moses Williams. In fact, uh, one of the largest military uh, parades and funerals was for Charles Young when he died. So let's talk about some of the accomplishments of the 9th and 10th uh, Regiment or the Buffalo Soldiers. Um, there's a, one of the most famous uh, battles in American history and folklore was the Battle of San Juan Hill. And, and when this story is told in the history books, uh, you see Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders, and uh, they get all the credit, you know, you, when you see the pictures of them. But when you span that picture out, you see the Buffalo Soldiers on the side of them, all these black soldiers that you don't see in the main picture that's in the history books. But what they don't tell you is that it was the 9th and 10th Calvary of, of the Buffalo Soldiers that took that hill. In fact, Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders came after the 10th Regiment um, went into battle first. And these Buffalo Soldiers always went into battle first. They were the first or what um, we look at today as uh, uh, the um, SEALs or the Marines, the ones that go first uh, into, into battle. Uh, these, are, these were the type of men that we're talking about. Uh, so in, in, in this war uh, in San Juan Hill, at San Juan Hill, uh, many of the Buffalo soldiers fought very courageously. And, and this is why um, the United States was able to capture Puerto Rico. Um, also in the Cuban War or the Spanish War, when uh, the United States uh, defended Cuba and they, <clears throat> the battle at uh, Santiago, the city of Santiago, it was the 24th and 25th regiment, black regiment that took that city. And I believe it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sergeant Barry. Cause when you, when you see in the movies about this, you see the white soldier planting the flag. Well, those of us that know real history know this is not true. It was Sergeant Barry. I'm trying to, I think I wrote down his uh, first name, but his name is Sergeant, his name is uh, Sergeant Barry. He, he was the one 
that planted that flag. Now they went back after they knew that, you know, we knew this real history when they made the, the movie, I can't think of it, but Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman was in this movie. And uh, they showed Denzel planting the flag. And see, because we don't know, um, you know, real history that they've hidden from us, we didn't know the significance of that. But uh, what happened was uh, the regiment that was um, shot down, um, the, I, I believe it was the third uh, cavalry, uh, the white unit, uh, Sergeant Barry took the flag out of one of their hands and planted theirs and um, the 10th Regiment. So, um, <clears throat> and so they also, now they were the first U.S. Park Rangers. This is something else that's not known. Uh, I believe it was Sequoia Park. But during this time, um, the U.S. Parks were um, patrolled by the Buffalo Soldiers. Many people don't know this. Um, in fact, from, let's see, in 1860, okay, so in 1866, when um, the uh, U.S. established, uh, I think it was uh, 10 Calvaries, okay, and uh, the Buffalo Soldiers had six of those. Okay, so in 1867, uh, the 10th Cavalry protected uh, workers who were building the Kansas Pacific Railroad. Okay, so they they also were peacekeepers, um, and and they um, really got their fame uh, in the Indian Wars. Okay, because they fought against uh, the Shawnee, the Apache, um, the Sioux, and the Lakota Indians, who were all west of the Mississippi. Again, you know, they, they talk about Kit Carson and Daniel Boone and these people. All they did was establish settlements. Now, Davy Crockett did fight in the, um, the war in uh the Alamo, but again, it was the Buffalo soldiers that protected the um, frontier. And there would be no United States of America beyond the Mississippi River without the Buffalo soldiers. And see, the tragedy again of this is that this is hidden from, this is why, um, Black people and Black men in particular don't get the respect that um, our ancestors gave us because this history is hidden. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, the Buffalo Soldiers is the only regiment of U.S. soldiers that have gotten the highest military honor the uh, the Medal of Honor, they had 12 Buffalo soldiers, I mean, in one unit. 
in in uh in both the ninth and the tenth uh regiment there was between 12 and 14 um and matter of fact one of the first ones because i can remember um when i was young and uh we heard about sergeant uh emmanuel stance uh he was the first uh buffalo soldier that got the medal of honor these men were brave um you know i know why people look at them as traitors or not all of our people some of our people do they certainly were not traitors because you got to remember and this is one of the reasons why i always say to our people is you got to look at things from a 360 degree angle we can't continue to look at history and particularly the history that's been told about us from a 90 degree angle, because the, the problem that our people faced was, and I've said this on a video before, when they came out of slavery of those plantations, they had no options. They had no power, they had nothing. So many of these men, I mean, $13 a month was a lot of money for them coming from nothing. So many of them, um, and, and one of the Buffalo soldiers said in one of his narratives that this was the only part of the American dream that was accessible for them. So many of them signed up for the military just to have a better way of life, to travel, to get out of their conditions. So you can't fault them for this. Um, my, again, my brother that went into the military, he was inspired by uh, Moses Williams. I, I can remember him talking about that. And uh, Moses Williams is a great man in American history. Um, and I would put him up against anyone, uh, any soldier in American history. And that's not to put down anyone. That's just to bring out the fact um, one of the reasons why, another reason why this is hidden because we have a problem in this country with black male masculinity. So certainly many of our young men, if they had known the true history of this country, would, be, would, would not be in the conditions they're in because they would have a higher consciousness in terms of who we are. Uh, so the, the ninth regiment actually spent uh, 11 years in Texas. Now here's the irony of this. In East Texas, okay, many of our people were being terrorized by the Ku Klux Klan during that time. But in West Texas, the Buffalo soldiers were protecting the white settlers. So, you know, there was a major contradiction here because, uh, again, they spent 11 years, and during that time, Texas was like a desert. Um, one of the, the uh, other, there were um, three black men uh, from the Buffalo Soldiers during that time that went to West Point. They were highly discriminated against. Um, so, you know, some of the ones that were allowed to go in initially, they were ran out. But uh, Henry O. Flipper, 
Okay, remember that name, very important brother. Uh, I did some research on him. Again, there's not very many um, pictures or, or written history, but there is history about them um, out there. But uh, the interesting thing about Henry Flipper, who was the first graduate of West Point in 1877, West Point in New York, was uh, that he faced a tremendous amount of racism. But uh, when they talk about him, they talk about his resolve because he knew that it was important for him to graduate from uh, West Point to prove that black men, the only reason that they were not educated in the military hierarchy was because they weren't given a chance. And so he knew that if he did not graduate and allowed uh, this racism to, to destroy him, that it would have an effect on black men you know, down through the generations. And that's what was said about him. Uh, also, uh, the, the sad part about what happened to a lot of our men who bravely served this country for 25 years from, uh, from, uh, from 1866 to, to the 1900s, well, actually more than 25 years. So uh, they, they're in, you know, like many of us, because of the jealousy of black male virility, um, faced uh, dishonorable discharges and a lot of things that was just not fair to them. Um, so uh, Henry Flipper, this first graduate of West Point, was falsely accused, okay, and court-martialed. And he was falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit, but what was said was that he was seen riding on horseback um, near a white woman who was riding a horse. Um, he was dishonorably discharged um, and falsely accused. He was court-martialed. And the charge was he was guilty of conduct unbecoming of an officer and uh, dishonorably discharged. Now, imagine here's a man that, because um, during that time, the highest rank that a so black soldier could reach was sergeant. All the officers, the lieutenants and captains and majors above that were um were the were the officers but a sergeant was a very very important role okay for the military because you had to have someone in command that the troops respected that the officers also respected that they could go through them in fact um there's a story about moses moody and see, many of these battles, man, uh, I tell you, if the, if the Buffalo soldiers were given their just due, they'd be in the front of the, on the book covers of history when they tell these stories. Um, 
but Moses Moody uh, was, I mean, I'm sorry, Moses Moody, the basketball player for the Warriors, Moses Williams um, was always out front leading his men. And the, um, the officers, the white officers gave him high praise and he was a medal of honor recipient as well. Uh, Charles Young uh, in 1889 was gra uh, graduated from West Point after Henry Flipper. There was another guy, I can't remember his name, who was between, um, between them. So there were three of them that during this period um, actually uh, graduated from West Point. And uh, Charles Young, the most celebrated one, as I said, when, when they had this parade for Charles Young, black people came out in the thousands because um, Charles Young also faced a lot of racism at West Point, but he was a brilliant brother. In fact, uh, when he died, they now, now the problem they had with Charles Young and why he was never given uh, the, the star of the Brigadier General until after he died, was because the, they knew that if he was, um, much like Colin Powell, that he would be in charge of white officers. And, you know, it's so amazing how one, one brother or two brothers can have a spotlight on them from, you know, the highest um, positions of power in our country simply to keep them from getting their just due. And so they, they had this major issue because they needed someone like Charles Young, who was a brilliant soldier, a tactician. Um, and they talked about him like, uh, well, the way, the way that they talk about Teddy Roosevelt, who was actually not a soldier, um, is the way that they that the black soldiers talked about uh, Charles Young, and uh, he also now uh, he also led them in battle uh, when they took the Philippines, and uh, during this this battle against the Philippines, the Filipino government and the soldiers wrote letters to the colored soldiers saying, put down your weapons, this fight, you know, we don't wanna fight against our uh, brothers of color. And some of the men from the Buffalo soldiers um, joined the Philippine uh, army to, to help fight against, um, you know, the Buffalo soldiers because they, you know, they felt real strongly the Filipino people really came out and said, listen, you know, this is not your fight. We have a right to be independent. Um, one of the, our first general in 1940 was Benjamin Davis. He was actually a Tuskegee Airman and uh, his son 
was a very celebrated pilot, a Tuskegee Airman as well, uh, Benjamin Davis Jr. I remember his name. Um, so many of these men died. Uh, like I said, Emmanuel Stance, who's a, another brave brother, when they fought the Indian Wars, had it not been for the Buffalo soldiers, I'm telling you this today, this is why our people have to understand and comprehend our history in this country that's been hidden for a reason. And, and we can't get into these little battles we get into calling people traitors because they served in the military. You know, I, I have high respect for my brother who, um, you know, he, he's dead now, but you know, he loved the military, even though I didn't have the same feeling and many of us don't have that same feeling. I respected the fact, I, a lot of guys I grew up with, um, um, my niece and uh, I have a nephew and a lot of guys I grew up with served in the military. So I know we have this um, conflict that goes all the way back to the Buffalo soldiers with the United States military. But I, again, I, I, I wanna say to our people that we, we have to embrace and, and we have to look at the big picture because many of our brothers really didn't have a choice uh, to go into the military. I mean, to go uh, in other um, industries during that time. Even up to the time when I was growing up, a lot of them had to choose um, to go into the military. And I remember um, when I was at Morgan, I, I went into the ROTC, they, they came recruiting people and I was in there for about one semester. I was like, no, this ain't for me because the first time somebody tried to tell me to do something, it's gonna be a fight. Uh, you know, so I knew it wasn't for me. And, uh, but again, our brilliant brothers, the Buffalo Soldiers, uh, one of the most misunderstood um, groups of our people, um, you know, that exists. Again, they protected white settlers from the native Indians. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the main uh, Indian chiefs, I think his name was Victorio. Um, he was causing havoc, okay, on the Western frontier. In fact, they tracked him all the way to Mexico. Um, he, he eventually died. Now I will say, and these are people of color because uh, in some of the narratives of the Buffalo soldiers, um, they were saying how difficult it was because uh, black people were debating, you know, okay, you're killing people of uh, color for the United States who have us in this condition. So it was it's always been this major conflict with our people in regards to our relationship, not just with the US government, but also with the US military, who is a branch of the government. Um, it's always been this conflict, but again, our men served bravely. Um, they protected the white settlers all the way from the Canadian border to the Mexican border. You can go 
and you can uh, see it for yourself. But uh, just wrapping it down with them before we get into the presentation. As I said, they spent 11 years in Texas in that hot sun. Um, they uh, built the roads, the 24th and 25th uh, infantry. This is another thing that's not known. They built the roads, they built the forts, they built the telephone lines like they did in a lot of the expansion uh, in the West. And also they guarded the shipments of the first, um, like Wells Fargo when the banks first were, um, you know, the way that they had to transport money. And they also, they also guarded the shipments of supplies that came West from uh, the Apaches and the Shawnee and these other, um, who they described as, you know, wild or savages. But you, you know, you'd be a savage too if you your lands were being, you know, just decimated and you know you were being driven off your lands that you've lived in for thousands of years, lived on for thousands of years. Um, one of the sad parts about this relationship and, and why many of our people uh, look, look at the Buffalo soldiers as traitors is because they did, you know, they helped to destroy a lot of the um, settlements, the, uh, the um, Indian settlements, and um, helped to move them off the lands. And then they guarded, you know, a long stretch of hundreds of miles so that, um, that they could not um, come back on that land. So when we look at real history, we see um, this major conflict. Again, you know, black folks, um, when they begin to see the Buffalo soldiers and the things that they were asked to do by the US military, they begin to have conflicts because um, you know they were driving people of color off of these lands. Uh, I believe the other, the ones that were in, um, I think they're called the Mordock or something like that. Um, they they have a, a also a history they, that they talk about the Buffalo soldiers and how you know they had this major conflict seeing these black powerful soldiers that looked like buffaloes who they revered, you know, now fighting with the white men that took you know that took their land. So it it, it was a major conflict. I will admit that. Um, but just to kind of wrap it up, uh, the uh, third, yeah, his name was uh, Sergeant George Berry, the one um, that planted the flag in uh, the war in San Diego and Cuba. But again, you know, I, I implore our people to, you know, teach real history to our children. It's very important. This is one of the major mistakes that we continue to make is not so much now, um, but you know, as time go on and how we've operated with teaching our history is that we still sort of regurgitate the history. It's hard to get something out of you that you are indoctrinated with. It's, it's very difficult. 
You know, I understand that. But now we must take the time, okay, because it's very important that our children know this history. Um, these brave black soldiers who were the backbone of the early United States, um, again, there would be no Western United States without the Buffalo Soldiers. And that's, that's a history that must be told regardless to what type of conflict we have, these men serve the United States military and the United States government very proudly. Many of our people during that time was very proud. I mean, you bring up the name Charles Young or um, Emmanuel Stance, Mango Sanders. A lot of this, now here's a, and I'm gonna end, um, about the Buffalo Soldiers on, on this point. Now, Teddy Roosevelt, who was given all this credit, again, he was not a soldier. This is how he um, actually ascended to the presidency of the United States, because when they talk about Teddy uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt in history, they glorify him as a soldier, but it, it was the Buffalo Soldiers. That's why, he was the one that allowed the, per, the first presidential parade that allowed black soldiers, the Buffalo soldiers to march with him here in San Francisco. It was Teddy Roosevelt because Teddy Roosevelt knew that he, he would not be alive had it not been around. And he knew this, these men that he would not be alive if, and the Rough Riders that was with him would not be alive today, that day, if it wasn't for those Buffalo soldiers of the 9th and 10th Regiment Cavalry that stormed uh, San Juan Hill, one of, one of our most celebrated battles in U.S. history. Every war in United States history, even World War I and World War II, these brave men fought in okay so i just wanted to give that shout out to them um again our, our people need to teach our children about them and and teach the real history of this um so today we're going to talk about what real education and intelligence is and real education and real intelligence is that you educate yourself and your young people to solve your own problems. Okay, this is a very critical part of education. But we know that we are still taught to be servants. Okay, we, we are educated and told that we're intelligent only if we serve the interests of these institutions of oppression for, to our people and that we become what we validate as intelligent people when we serve at the highest levels of these institutions. Um, but whenever we talk about building our own or you know, celebrating our history like all other cultures of people do, then you know we get this clapback. 
that uh, we we must not be, you know, we cannot be pushed back any further because now the you can see that they're even building these political um, tirades uh, um, against our people, you know, with words like woke, hell yeah, we're woke. And we're still awakening. So you can make fun of it all you want. Many of these people would not be in the positions they are today had it not been for the bravery of black folks. So, you know, you can pretend and do all of these, say all of these things that you want here, out here um, with these other cultures that don't know the real history of the United States, but we know the real history of the United States. And this is why when I've heard people say, when the Europeans go to the motherland and all the other places that our people are, outside of this country, that when they see African-Americans, they, they feel some kind of way because they know that we know their real history against our people. Okay, so we, we're not gonna sit back and allow this to continue anymore because it's devastating to our people. It's devastating to our young people and uh, there, there is no question that if our young people knew their real history, um, that it would be a significant change in the way that they view their lives. Even today, um, one of the main posts of the Buffalo Soldiers up in Seattle, Washington, they're all over the country and they're training young black men about their heritage. And uh, one of the guys who was a descendant of uh, Sergeant Barry uh, said that uh, it's very important for him to carry on this work because he, once he became aware of this history and he had heard of it in his family, that um, it inspired him now to continue to teach young black men about this great celebrated history. Um, so we're gonna talk about the biggest mistake that we make as a people. Um, a couple of things just to kind of set this up is that uh, the education of our children um, has to be for solving our problems, as I said before. Our, we need to have our children focused on building um, for our own so that we will be able to provide um, again, econ survive economically, uh, socially, physically, psychologically. And this is the true purpose of education is to maintain, you know, your ability to um, do all of these things, okay? The other thing is we have to teach our children um, how to spend and trade with each other. Again, we have a, the perfect example of how our people survived with the barter system when they had little or none of the fiat that um, our people glorify today. Um, they survived, not only did they survive, they built institutions that we, with all our so-called education or dedication, 
are unable to do. And many of these people had third and fourth grade education. Okay. Um, also, we, we have to look at the psychological subjugation of black people. This is something that we have to continue to look at because now we are participating in the energy of this and we, we have to turn this around. Um, <clears throat> also, the, the glorification of, of this fiat money that our, our people, our young people are killing each other over, you know, and doing all these things to destroy our community. Now, we, we must fight back against this because when you look at um, the, the um, insanity of this, the real problem is socioeconomic status because only five cents of every dollar is ever spent with black people, black to black. And that is where the real problem lies, okay? This is a major mistake that we're continuing to make. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about mistake number one, okay? Now, I, I often say this, but I want to bring this point out a little more so that we get the full um, comprehension and understanding of this. One of the major mistakes that we make is that we cannot continue to use the psychology of white children, okay, to teach black children. Okay, I want you to hear me very good when I say that. You cannot, we cannot continue to teach our children based on the psychology of white children. Okay, this is a critical mistake we're making because what, what has been shown to us is you cannot build or help anyone else if you're not helping yourself first, this is the first law of nature. You cannot, you know, you cannot extend any type of assistance to anyone if you have not done this for yourself. And so when we go back and look at the psychology of black children or the magical child, a book that was written by Pierce, then we see clearly that we have brilliant geniuses that are born in this world, okay? But because we're putting the psych psychological development of another culture into their heads, which they already see in the media, whatever kind of media, the movies mainly out of Hollywood, now it's Netflix, and all these other forms of media where they see the glorification of a specific culture of people, this has a devastating impact on them. We need to teach them our celebrated history, real history, show them who they are, build their self-worth first, and then they'll be able to go out and compete in the world. Because remember, um, contrary to what many of us believe, okay, you're 
capitalism is 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 uh, competition, and if they're being taught that they have to be and think as white children do, they're gonna be behind the eight ball because that is impossible, no matter how much that picture is painted to you. And, you know, I know that people will be saying, oh, well, you know, he sounds like a black racist or sound like a, first of all, black people cannot be racist because we don't control anything. So you have to have power to control people's lives in order for that to be applied to you. We have no ability to control um, any of the institutions that are controlled by the uh, power structure. So let's get that straight. Um, but anytime that we love, you know, people can go around all day saying, make America great again. I often wonder what you mean by that. But, you, you know, you have the right to do and believe whatever you want. But now at the same time, why are you denying us to make Black folks great again, to, to make our history uh, what it is? Why are you angry at us? Because we're, we're talking about the great accomplishments of our ancestors. You know, we, we get a lot of clapback for that. And... Uh, you know, that's something that uh, we have to take on. You know, we have to take on the fact of who we are. And, and I always remind our people who we are. We are the primordial seed of the planet. Okay, so no matter what anyone says to you, okay, we are the first people on the planet. And that in itself carries a very significant very significant place in this world. Okay, the second mistake we make, and I often use this, Lance, you've heard me um, talk about this before, that when you go to the doctor, they don't use the medical history of another patient to diagnose you. That would be insane. How are they going to use the medical history of another patient's family to heal you? They have to use the medical history of you and your family to heal you. So when you look at um, the way that we um, approach things, okay, we're using the diagnosis of another people in order to build our foundation. And this is where we have all of these conflicts. You, you cannot do that. That's impossible. There's nothing in nature that will allow you to use a different seed, okay, in order to define your seed. Again, as I said, you're not going to plant an apple tree and expect to get oranges. That's not going to happen. So when you're, when you're dealing with social, economic, or social psychological issues, whatever they may be, then you have to look at the history of Black folks in this country in order to do that. 
and stop using the history of other people to train our children because you are participating in their demise. Now, the thing that you have to realize is that they are already being taught these histories all of their life from the very first time they you turn on the television. This is why um, I'm against, you know, uh, um, in a sense, our kids being educated through the television like we like to do. Um, black kids uh, watch more TV, I think it's 12 hours a week, than any other group of people, okay? And these are the things that, um, that are really destroying us because this war that we're in, um, they ain't worried about you no more. <laughs> All y'all thinking about is how many cars, new cars you can have, you know, just a lot of different stuff that don't matter. While well, these people that come in here are building from the foundation and they're using their culture and, and putting pride in their culture to do that. But in fairness to our people, um, they are not faced with the weaponry that is uh, aligned against us. Um, and our great prophet uh, has told us through his uh, musical genius, just what, what, what we are faced with, what we must believe in and how we should approach these things. Um, one of the other mistakes that we make is the uh, genetic, psychological, and cultural history of a child is present in their psychological growth and development. Now, what does that mean? That means that already in their genetic memory bank is the history of our people that goes way thousands of years back. But there's a conflict when you are validating a cultural, uh, well, I should say a culture outside of themselves. This, this is where the first major conflict comes for them. I can remember how I was always, it just bothered me when I, when I, when they were reading the Bible and uh, the pages and, and our people used to like the old King James version. They felt like this was the actual literal word of God. But anybody that has studied theology knows that this is not true. So the, the problem is, I can, I can remember thinking, God, there are no black angels. How is that? Uh, all of these pictures, all the prophets, Moses, everybody is white. How can that be? Even at that age, I was fully aware that this was a problem. And uh, so whether you know it or not, the psychological growth and development of our young people and your children um, is in major conflict with themselves because of this. 
And if you don't have a picture of Frederick Douglass, Bob Marley, Malcolm, all of our great ancestors, um, Ida B. Wells, you know, all of our great sisters and brothers should have, you should have a picture of them in your home. As I said, you got one of the best artists in the world with Lance Skirt. There is no reason why his art and graphics should not be bought, sold, and put in the homes of millions of our people. You can start there. You can choose whatever you want, but these are the mistakes that we make, okay? And then we get caught up into things that are regurgitated and passed down to us, and then we pass this down. We have to stop this now, um, it's, uh, particularly uh, with the advancement of AI. Uh, great show, Lance, you did with the uh, guests you had there. Um, you, now you, some of the same people who were at the forefront of advancing this technology are now calling for its demise because they realize now that you have opened an energy vortex that you don't have the power to close. And so all of these things we have to take into consideration. Um, and, you know, there's, there's good and bad in everything, but certainly there could be um, a certain type of energy that's dominant, more dominant than the other. And now we see the pendulum swinging towards this being bad. Um, as you said, uh, Lance and the young lady, um, that this is horribly bad, okay, for humanity. You know, and I know a lot of people will have an um, issue with me saying this because, yeah, now technology does have its advantages. But again, the mistake that we're making is we're putting all of this in one basket, particularly with our young people. We're putting all of the AI um, existence as the standard for how our children should live. And they don't know anything now about farming. They don't know anything about building. Most of them, if you open the hood of a car, don't know anything about that. The one thing too is that uh, children from other cultures are learning to build houses from the ground up, how to fix things in their homes. I can remember when I was in high school, they had home ec classes where they taught us different things with um, different trades and how, you know, to, to learn how to build and put certain things together, build cabinets on electrical work or what have you. So we, again, this is why they destroyed, they used to have programs um, that, uh, I can't think of the name of some of the programs right now, I'm sure I'll think of it in a minute, but where, you know, in the summertime, everybody didn't have to go to college, okay? In fact, now 
I even question the validity of that looking back um, because the things that we need to know, the other mistake that we make is we wait for the crisis to hit where we should be looking now, okay, as a black think tank that all of us are involved with, that uh, we should be looking now five, 10 years down the road. Because again, a lot of the things that are being planned for us, we don't see until it's too late. We're always on the defensive where we must go on the offensive. This is a critical mistake that we have always made that we cannot afford to make moving forward because the things that they have planned for our people, you would not believe. So one of the, um, the other mistakes that we're making surrounding this point is that we're not telling our children that them sticking together, trade, I don't give a damn where you from, who cares where you're from? It's where you're at. And we must get past this ignorance, okay? Because this is going to destroy our people worse than it is now. Our young people are facing a tremendous uphill battle that you are not aware of, okay? So, and this is gonna have a major impact on us um, simply because we are still chasing the fiat and not teaching or coming together to build. Now, the other problem with this is, is that our young people learn from what they see us do, whether we know this or not, okay? And what they see is that we can't agree on anything we can't come together to build anything that like the people who have indoctrinated us, um, we fight against each other on the minutest thing, things that don't have any relevance, okay, to our survival, socially, economically, psychologically, spiritually, and physically. So now, you can't claim the title of being the primordial seed, okay? And not do the things that the creator, creatrix spirit of the universe have put inside of you and not manifest those things. When you're out in the clubs and you can go and do whatever you want, okay? But I'm just telling you that when they see you going to these clubs and doing all the things you do and not caring about building with each other and fighting and shooting up and kicking people's doors in and doing all this stupid childish stuff. This is what they learn, that you're gonna kill other black people for a piece of paper that has no intrinsic value. This is the type of insanity that we have to turn around. And I, you know, again, I go out wherever I am, whatever city I'm in, and I go out and I look at the conditions of our people. And I don't care what they tell you on their television, our people are in serious trouble. Uh, many of these um, places now, 
they're not hiring. I did, uh, like I said, I did my own study on this hiring process where um, you have to go through these staffing agencies now. You cannot go directly to the employers. Um, this is set up. Um, I can't talk about uh, a situation I'm involved with now for, for the union that I work with occasionally that now um, that's involving black men. And, and I can't really talk about it, but uh, now that, uh, you know, we are dealing with this and not just sitting back that now, um, you know, it's a full born. The, the thing that our people have to get in our heads is we're the best defense we have. We're the best offense we have. But you continue to go to other people as if they are going to be the salvation of our people. They're not. Um, they're not focused on, they see you, they still see you as a threat. Mainly they see black men as a threat because when you get the opportunity, whenever the field is leveled, you excel. Um, <clears throat> one of the other mistakes that we make is you, we must accept the fact that being an American is something totally different for black and white children, okay? Now, this is something that we continue to, to make a mistake with, is that black and white children are not the same. They're not treated the same when they grow up. I remember reading a, a story uh, where this sister, she, she had moved into it was kind of integrated uh, neighborhood, but uh, when the kids were real small, you know, they were playing with the, the other kids, the white kids or what have you. And they were like three, maybe four or five years old. And then one day, I believe she said her um, son was seven or eight. The other kids no longer came out or knocked on the door to see if her children could come out to play. So what happens is once our kids become a certain age, then not only is their awareness now uh, of this energy that exists in our society, but the white kids are now being um, taught something different about you, about our children. And so this is where this begins. So, you know, you know, I, I get it. I know you want to teach the children, you know, because at our root, we're not bitter, hate people that operate off of hate, okay? But some of us have let this now become a part of our, our energy and that we have given to our children. But the thing we have to remember is we cannot force relationships with other cultures on our children because now they will see at some point that there is a major difference in the way that they're treated, why they're treated that way. And, and we have to deal with this. We can no longer pretend like this doesn't exist. 
we have to have these conversations with them. If they choose to have friends from other cultures, that's fine. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. What I'm saying is you cannot continue to lie up to them about the reality of the world that we live in. This is a big mistake that we're continuing to make. Everybody doesn't love you like you um, think. I remember the first time I had to have uh, this conversation uh, with my oldest son, because he's a lot like me, you know, has a big heart, you know, and the way we were raised, you know, that, uh, you know, you care about people. Well, the world doesn't think that way. In fact, they see you, your kindness as a weakness in many ways, unfortunately. So you have to um, surround yourself with people who, you know, always treat people fairly, but just understand that everybody doesn't think like you, okay? And you have to surround yourself with people that do. That's just the way of the world. You can work with other people from your base. Um, one of the things too is um, that we're taught that we must lower ourselves and our standards to integrate with others. And that once we show this pride about ourselves, that it is a form of intimidation to other people. Um, I'm sorry to tell you that's your problem um, but we must now um, really um, be truthful with our children about the situation that they're in because they're facing things now that we didn't even have to face. Um, also, a big mistake that we make is that, um, is that, we we have to comprehend that uh, the intellect begins in the in the mother's womb. Uh, the psychosocial environment of the child's mother has a profound excuse me impact on the child. Uh, and why is that important? Is because again, nat the nature nurture controversy, um, which is a controversy that talks about which um, experience affects us most? Is it our nature? Okay, um, you know, our genetic makeup, our environment uh, of our primary, the primary people in our lives when we are raised in a family structure? Or is it how we're nurtured in our environment, you know, peer groups? Um, the things that I was talking about earlier of how we see ourselves on television and, and other um, genres of, of media is that, uh, you know, we, we have to look at the fact that being an American in the way that it's taught is not the same for us. Okay. And so... Coming out of the mother's womb, the child is, is faced with this. And uh, both of them, nature and nurture, has uh, uh, a significant impact on, you know, on the growth and development of black children. Now, uh, <clears throat> the nutritional environment 
and cultural experiences within our primary environment um, and of the mother also affects the neuronic development of the black child. And that begins in the womb um, because the central nervous system um, um, basically has a energy of its own, okay? And that, that energy is, is fed through the experiences of the mother while the child is in the womb prior to coming out into the world. So let's look at uh, the second mistake that we make that's very, very important to our growth and development. Um, we must stop educating our children to be servants. Now, a servant, uh, um, I don't want this to get misconstrued because one of the greatest characteristics, and we'll use Brother Lance as an example, is that you're a servant. In that sense, you're a, a willing servant, okay, to humanity, to your people, that you give of yourselves, your gifts, your talents, your time. These are things that we, we take for granted, that we are not grateful for, that people like Lance, uh, they put in their time in order for us to have certain advantages that we would ordinarily not have. But the servant that I'm referring to, and, and by the way, that is one of the greatest characteristics that you can possess as a person, being a servant to humanity and to your people in particular. But the servant that I'm talking about is when you're serving, being educated to serve the needs of other people that have no intrinsic value for you or the people that look like you. So in order for you to have a title or to get the fiat, then, and again, don't get me wrong, we have to earn fiat. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you put this as a value above your brothers and sisters, whoever they may be, that that's a problem, okay? But, but this is a serious mistake that we make is that we teach our children to be servants of, of, a, of a larger uh, culture or the dominant culture when there is no, the only value that comes out of that is that you get a title and you, you may um, get a higher level of fiat, but that does nothing to build or it has no essential value for you or people that look like you. And we must begin to see and view life through these lens. Uh, one of the other mistakes we make is uh, <clears throat> we continue to teach our children based on a, a Europeanized definition of the world and the values that um, sort of like when I was talking about the Buffalo Soldiers, 
that we're teaching them from the same history books about Davy Crockett, okay, and Daniel Boone and Kit Carson. And again, that's not to, to degrade those men, certainly they deserve their place in history, but why deny our people our rightful place in history? This is, there's something wrong with this picture. I mean, those of us in the know, and the people in the chat room and Lance and those of us that know this, we know why they do it, okay? And when you look at, when I, when I look at the um, things that, the events that happened here in San Francisco this weekend that I had to hide myself from, we know why they want to demasculize black men. We know this, okay? Again, people, you have your right to, to be who or whatever you think you are. But I also have the same right to reject that. And I have the same right to say that I don't want uh, little boys and girls going to the same bathroom. You can build a separate bathroom for them if that's what you want. And I don't hate on anybody. I didn't create nobody. But now when you're telling me to force something that I know is wrong and I know that I'm against, then I have a problem. Okay. And so, you know, you can take that for, for however you want to take that. But we must continue to, um, because they're trying to make Black people the face of this. So uh, we are making a big mistake by, again, you know, the, the people that want to believe and do whatever they want, that's fine. Just don't try to force that on me and mine. Just because that's not going to fly. Um, the other mistake that we're making is uh, not realizing the evil plan, uh, okay, to keep... Uh, <clears throat> generations of black people in a perpetual state of mental, physical, and emotional slavery. And that schools have become the instruments of uh, generational poverty, servitude, and economic oppression. Now, <clears throat> these schools today, <laughs> man, it, it's incredible the the uh, images and symbols that are used, okay, to, uh, to teach our children what they're teaching them and why um, we must begin now to clap back against this. Uh, so uh, pretty much Brother Lance, I wanna wrap up the presentation there. If, uh, you know, if you wanna have a discussion about it, uh, it's fine. I don't know if you're uh, still around. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here. I stepped up the voicemail really quick. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, and uh, our people have to take up these challenges now because, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're switching the game in terms of how it's played. And uh, what we're having an issue with is that, again, 
by the time we realize what the game is, it's often too late. And uh, so all of, all of these things we, we must begin to um, look at, okay, because it's going to be extremely important for us to um, going forward with, with these new battles that we're fighting is that we deal with reality. Um, one of the things that I've noticed now even more strongly with a lot of the, um, I guess you, you, they like to call them battles that our people are having with one another, is that we, we get caught up into, there, there is no one man or woman, okay, that has 100% that is 100% right on everything, okay? In fact, there is no one viewpoint about something. We know from the way the universe is structured that they, there are several different points of light on any subject. And we have these battles about things um, that maybe one of our scholars have said or another one has said or um, and when I talk about scholars, there are scholars in all different walks of life, you know. So, but all of the areas that um, we are confronted with, all of the areas of human activity, we don't have to have experts, okay, in, in all of those areas. We simply just need to discuss them, okay, because unlike what you've been taught, okay, a person, just because a person is educated and have a degree doesn't necessarily mean that they have the answer to the things that you, uh, some of the most brilliant people that I know have never stepped foot in a university. Um, so we have to get beyond these things because they use a lot of these different um, titles to, to, you know, separate and divide us and keep us at each other's throats. Um, but certainly, I don't want this to be misconstrued. Misconstrued is that uh, our, our people who have devoted themselves to study um, do deserve the credit for the areas in which they have put in the time in. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have this savior mentality that we continue to use whenever we're discussing issues. Hell, a child could teach us something, okay? So we can't box ourselves in because we have been taught to look at things from a 90 degree angle. And there's a reason for that, but you can't box yourself in where you're not willing to take the advice or look at um, the things that someone who you may not look at as a scholar or intelligent or what have you. Until I remember um, when uh, the crack epidemic hit our back in the 80s. Do you know some of the most um, brilliant people were the people that had this addiction? 
because they, I, re, I remember um, when I was working as a, a caseworker at the Brooklyn Men's Shelter in Brownsville, I've told you about that, Lance. Uh, one of the things that uh, we had to do, this was in the 80s, is we had to go out in the van and pick up the people who were using crack and try to take them to a program. And talking with some of these people, man, they were brilliant. And I used to marvel at, well, how is it that, um, you know, you find yourself in this condition? And, uh, you know, after talking with them and realizing, okay, this is because of things that were targeted towards them, how these drugs were brought into our communities and how when a person is economically depressed that you're looking to self-medicate in any way you can. So I, I began to have to look at things in that way. And that set me on a lifelong path of really understanding the, the um, things or forces that were um, against or are against our people and how I had to start looking at it from a different angle, because certainly I could not do anything to, to help people if I did not comprehend this myself. Um, and, you know, uh, having uh, certain struggles in, in my own life pertaining to, you know, the fact of people always trying to push you down when you're fighting for your people and how they um, constantly, constantly come against you on a personal level. Even our own people have this sickness that, you know, I had to learn to navigate certain, certain things that I was doing, that I was involved with and, and relationship to the systems I was trying to navigate in and uh, just realizing the type of fight or the war that, that we were in and uh, making the decision that this was a lifelong thing for me, that I was gonna be in this battle for the rest of my life. And that was the decision that I made. Um, and I tell people all the time, had I turned my back on that purpose for our people, I'd have so much fiat, I wouldn't know what to do with it. If, if that was the only thing that I focused my life on, rather than building something that I could leave as a legacy for not just for my children, but for other children, black and brown children around the world, then that, even to this day, that's still a struggle for me. Because I, I know that if I, do certain things, I, it would require me to walk away from this purpose, um, you know. But there are, other, there are other ways that now that I'm moving into to help build and solidify the academy for our people, which, you know, we'll discuss, you know, moving forward. I'll discuss with Lance. But uh, I'm very proud to be a Black man. I'll tell you what, if I had to come back in this world again, I would not want to come back as anything else other than a black man. I am I'm so proud of that. 
And uh, this is something that we have to um, make our children understand is that we are proud of who we are, even with all the struggles that we are faced with every day on a continuous basis. And the last mistake that we make is, I'm sorry, I forgot to, to bring this up, is that as the primordial seed, we are in charge of our lives and the lives of our children on all levels of human activity. And this means that we must look at each other, not, uh, we, we must validate each other, not based on your fiat position in life, but based on your heart, your crown, your mind, your root chakras, everything that's inside of you that you have been given. This is what we must focus on because believe it or not, okay, the, the conversation and manifestation of real wealth comes in the abundance of your gift that you have given to the world. And I'll never forget, uh, I think we, we talked about this once, Lance, uh, one of the greatest, uh, a great brother, uh, he was a, a minister, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. Yes. Uh, I, when I, I remember years ago when I first read his book, Brilliant Brother, but one of the statements that he made, and I heard you talk about um, the experiences you had with him, Lance, is that uh, one of the statements that he made in that book that always stuck with me, he said, the greatest resource on the planet is in the graveyard because many or most people die and take their gift with them to the grave that the world, um, the world never got a chance to, um, to really absorb and benefit from. And I said, that's not going to be the story of my life. That I'm, I'm not going to take my gift to the grave. And so, you know, and there are a lot of challenges that we face, but it's time to, for us to stand up again like the Buffalo soldiers. It's time for black men to stand up for our communities, for our sisters, for our children, uh, for who we really are, okay? And stop judging each other based on a religion or whatever you use to judge people off of. So yeah, brother, I, you know, if you wanna open up the floor for us to discuss some things with our family, I'm certainly yes. open. We dropped the link. Okay. Definitely. Uh, the thing is, you know how it is. I, I just need to take a quick break and I'll be back. I still have about uh, another 45 minutes or so. Yeah, sure. Go, go ahead, man. Take a break. We're here. We'll yes. open up the lines right now. And yes, I'll put you, the Since you're the yes. best talker that I know, I feel good about leaving this. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Good. Great. Great. Yeah, so we'll open up the lines and um just want to say how happy I am to be able to help facilitate Brother Neil Frazier to get his word out because it's very, very good and necessary. These are the kind of conversations I want to have. You know, when you look on social media right now, 
and I always talk about it, and it's getting worse. It's to the point where I, I don't really, I get off what I need and I get off because there's just so much foolishness, so much stuff to gum up your mind and to poison your thought process. And our minds have adapted to all of this data coming at us that is not anything good for us to make us better. Yes, we can pick and choose. Yes. But the masses don't do that. The masses of people, they just, whatever pops up, they look at and they get on, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, grown people who, even if it's for three minutes, that's three minutes taken away from you, you know, so much stuff is sent to me and I appreciate the good stuff, but I have so many people that I've known sending me this and sending me that. How many butts can you look at? Let's, let's just be real here. I can't have that stuff clog up my mind. I don't even want to see it because this thing is used as a tool against us and only, only stuff that is edifying is really what I want to see. And, and I, I am getting older. I am... Um, I don't crave it on the menu anymore. It's almost like a child who you take to the restaurant and you ask them, what do they want? And they look directly at the dessert part of the menu and that's what they want. And that's not, that's not proper nutrition. They don't order to build up a mind, especially our children who their minds are being formed at the early stages, the first few years. What are you giving them? What are you allowing them to do? And even as adults, we're, we're being bombarded with, oh, and I see you, brother. I just want to finish up this point in 90 no, man, seconds. I'm listening, I'm listening to you, man. <laughs> we're, we're being bombarded with so much stuff that it'll make our head hurt. It'll be like, why are we allowing this in our mind? You know, there was a study done a couple years ago, and I couldn't tell you the exact numbers, but the point is this. They did a study as far as television and how many ads were on television in the late sixties and early seventies. Well, we have much more to bombard our mind with. Now we have the computer, we have social media and those numbers were so low in comparison to what we're exposed to as far as just the commercials and advertisements. There's so much that we have to, wrestle with because really we get on social media and we just watch stuff but really there's always an ad attached to that uh, video or platform so you're going to have to pay to get the ads off or deal with the ads and it's the ads that keeps these social media platforms going it's not because they like you they let you have use of it so you can seduce each other with foolishness mm. and they can paid. And this is why they don't want to put the righteous stuff up about our true history, because it's a dual agenda. Mm -hmm. and, and most of us, sadly, don't want to see that stuff. I've learned so much on social media, media that they haven't taught me in school only because I was selective in what I view. But if I allow the other stuff to just take me away from that, I'll find myself rejecting the good stuff and just going for the decadence. So 
That being said, you have to filter what you have coming in. And me doing what I do, which a lot of content creators do, I'm not the only one, I have to sift through like a dumpster dive on the stuff sent to me and the stuff that is on my timeline. And because my timeline is a little more righteous than most, I'm not saying I'm better, but they they push worse stuff on me because they see I don't want to see the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So we got to keep our minds strong. We say we have to have our head on the, uh, on the swivel, but we also have to have our minds on the swivel because for them to get to our mind is the biggest thing because they can control the stand. Brother, thank you so much. The floor is yours again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I like to listen to you too, Lance. You got a wealth of information, brother. So, uh, you know, what, uh, oh, nobody came in on the link yet? Nobody yet. Okay. Okay. I, I so, think yeah. you're so bedazzled as to what you shared, in a, like a deer in the headlight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just try to look again. Anybody wants to come on in, you know, and speak to Brother Neil Frazier, feel free to do so. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, <clears throat> well, not think, I know that um, much, of, uh, much of what we see with um, Black people, if we knew our real history just here in this country, forget going outside of the country, I mean, just right here would change the social, psychological, and economic uh, situation of black folks. It would. One of, one of the greatest things, because the word pride, and, and again, one of the real problems that we run into is because the English language is a bastard language. So we have to remember when you're using words, you you have to look at the context in which the word or words are being used, and also what the overall purpose of what the what you're trying to convey. Because many times it's just like the word American. Now it's true, we all were born in America. But what does that term, um, because when you look at the larger society here in this country, they, they take a word like patriotism and they make you feel like if you don't have the same uh, psychological temperament that they have, the way that they look at the world in terms of how they have um, mainly use force on the world to obtain what they have and they still have this mentality that's not okay who black people are so when we try to follow and use that as a standard it creates all kind of problems for us Uh, you just take politics for instance you know, why is it that we have to agree with one way of thinking or the other? First of all, uh, there are two different wings of the same bird. I, um, I remember when I was uh, living in, uh, working in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, you know, when you go downtown, 
you would often, you know, see or hear about the, these people who were, well, the same thing with the judicial system, the judges and the lawyers, they all, you know, stick together or they socialize together, right? But you would see these uh, politicians from both parties. They go to lunch together, they drink together, <laughs> they socialize together. But when you hear them on TV, you know, they're spewing all this stuff against each other and blah, blah, blah. But you have to remember in this country, it's based on socioeconomic strata or status. Black people with fiat have the same, many of them have the same mentality that these so-called white people that call themselves patriots have. But they don't look at you and I as a patriot. So when you call yourself an American, which is really a lie because, again, I don't know of any greater patriots than the Buffalo Soldiers. In fact, not only did they guard white settlements, they even guarded the Indian um, settlements from the, the five uh, civilized, so-called civilized tribes that white people um, call. They had the same privileges of the settlers, some of them. And it was the Buffalo soldiers that guarded those five tribes along with white people against, again, the ones that they call wild or savages, who basically you had taken everything from them. They got to eat, they got to survive. You got them living on these little plantations or reservations and uh, now you're calling them wild and savage because they're trying to take back what you took from them. You see what I'm saying? So <clears throat> it's the way that we look at things that really, and, and the mistake again that our people make is trying to look at <laughs> being American through the lens of other people, which is impossible. It puts you in a, in a real um, bad position. But again, uh, this was something that was like a, it was a real awakening for me when I uh, first went to Clark Atlanta and, and I saw, well, black people were running Atlanta at that time, the political structure. Uh, Maynard Jackson, I'm trying to think the other brother's name. Uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, the city council was black. But it was the white business structure of Atlanta that actually was the hidden hand that made decisions. And, and I'll never forget, um, it was during the, what was the Atlanta child murders. And uh, when they were saying that Wayne Williams that was killing all these black kids uh, when they knew, cause uh, Maynard Jackson had gotten a report. They knew that possibly the Ku Klux Klan was behind this. And uh, it was something that never came out until decades later, one of the mothers 
that was privy to this information had brought this out. She said, Wayne Williams didn't kill my son. So, you know, we have to look at, it's the same image that they project of black men again today. Um, whereas they project them as uh, patriots and saviors, when the truth be told, the real saviors of American of America and American frontier are the Buffalo Soldiers. That, that is a fact. That is a fact. Um, many of our, our um, black women played a very pivotal role. Oh, oh there was a, I, I forgot to mention, um, there was a female Buffalo soldier, but she disguised herself as a man. Her name was Kathy Williams, but she signed up as William Kathy. And you can go back and read this in history or find her name in somewhere in history. Um, but she, once they found out she was a woman, then of course they kicked her out. But uh, during that time, it was hard for black women. They mainly were, you know, serving as cooks or, you know, they um, house, house cleaners or uh, they took care of white people's kids, you know, from the cradle to the grave. And so there weren't very many opportunities for. So what has happened is uh, over the centuries and the decades, because they wanted to destroy the history of the masculine history of black men, then they elevated um, Degnesh above us. And um, this has uh, had a devastating impact on black male psyche. And, and this is behind a lot of, um, and I'm not making excuses, I'm just simply saying that this is behind a lot of the infeminine type of behavior that you see with our young black men. Um, but certainly, as we begin to uh, really tell our story, this is why we don't have time to be arguing on the internet. We don't have time for that. Okay, we are in a goddamn war with people trying to wipe us off the map because they don't want this history to be known. I know I'm going to get a lot of emails later, as always. Uh, and more importantly, they want to they want people that are coming to this country to buy into this narrative that black men are lazy, that they're criminals, that they don't want to do anything but get high and drink all day. You're talking about less than 10% of our people. And all cultures have a bad 10% or a bad seed. We are the only people who our 10% is put before the world where everybody else's trailer trash or whatever else it may be is hidden from the world. So again, this is why it's important for us to not be on these platforms arguing with each other, trying to prove whose point is, who cares about your point or your ego? 
we need to be focusing on teaching our children how to work and build together and not fight, be fighting against each other over stupid shit like colors, where you're from, you know, who's your, you know, all of this crazy stuff that's going to continue to hold us down. It's time for us to move beyond this. It's time for us to move up here. And um, again, religion helps, okay, to keep us in this fog state, okay, because all we're doing is glorifying, okay, the value of a culture that doesn't value you as a human being. And this was the other irony that some of the Buffalo soldiers, now, when they, now imagine spending 11 years in Texas, which was mainly a desert during that time, 100 degree weather. And then finally, they said, well, what are we gonna do with them? They have accomplished their, like they do us now. We, we don't need them for that anymore. They sent them to damn Montana, 20 below zero. Okay, this is the thanks they get. They sent them to Montana um, to guard, you know, white people there because they didn't have no more need for them um, in Texas. And uh, just like a lot of our brave men um, who were um, unfairly, oh, now after Teddy Roosevelt, his life was saved by the 10th, the 9th and 10th Calvary. Okay, at San Juan. Also, one of the uh, most celebrated uh, uh, battles in U.S. history, Wounded Me. Okay, now, General Custer, who they celebrate in U.S. history. Okay, great general in his own right. But uh, General Custer, the se his seventh... Uh, infantry division, he said he didn't want to fight with the Buffalo soldiers. But years later, decades later, his old division, the 7th uh, Infantry Cavalry, was being decimated until the 10th uh, Regiment of the Black Buffalo soldiers the same ones that he said he didn't want to fight with had to go save his old division from being slaughtered. So you see, when they tell these stories in history, just like in the history books I was saying earlier, where you see Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders, who would have been, there would have been no more Rough Riders if the 10th Division um, did not rescue them. Okay, at, in Santiago, not Santiago, at uh, San Juan Hill. Teddy Roosevelt wouldn't have survived to become president. And these are the things that they don't tell. But yeah, that picture you see in the history books is just Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders. But when you expand that picture out, you see all these black soldiers, the Buffalo soldiers standing around him. So, brother, they did a, 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 
man, they did a real chop job against our people, um, you know, in terms of history. And uh, we don't have time to be arguing over silly stuff. There, there are a lot of our history now that we have to get out here and, and you know, have debates about them with these people, uh, find out, well, we know why you continue to do it, but now we're living in 2023. What are you afraid of? The truth being told. But you're more concerned with um, tearing down um, the image of the black man, okay, to make us seem like, you know, we're not men uh, than anything else. That, that's a problem you have. Don't put that problem on us. So, uh, yeah, brother. So, uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to end it here. No problem, brother. But you know, it never ends. It's just, it this is the segment, but the connection, the love, just the flow, what you share goes out all week. And we know that you're preparing something else. It's just like, you're having the first course now in the restaurant. And while you're eating the first course, there's something else being prepared coming out. So this is perpetual. And then we know that. And we know you already have the information going longer, but we'll do it this time next week again. Yes, and I sir. look forward to it, you know? Yes, sir. Always. Well, thank you, Brother Lance, for all that you do. And Mrs. Skirb, you guys keep up the great work. Thank the people in the chat room. I know many of them are um, on the front lines as well. And, uh, Most definitely. Yeah. They're the ones sharing and, and yeah. you know, making the comments and stuff. And I can't do it like this without them either. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, what good is it to have a good restaurant? Nobody shows up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what good That's is it right. to eat the food? Don't tell nobody. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, but you got the like, real better rule, brother. You, you, you got the real better rule. <laughs> and uh, you, you're in good hands. So I don't worry about you. Oh, I know that definitely, you know, I know that always. So, you know, they can mess with the channel and shadow ban it and do whatever they yeah. want to do it as long as we have the direct communication. Yeah. 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 That doesn't bother me. I've been around too long for that to bother me. Just forge okay. forward in the most effective manner. And that's not going to keep me from swinging. That's not going to keep me from balling okay. up my fist and swinging and, and <laughs> you know, producing the stuff and getting us all on here, you know? Okay. And um, I, I'm, I'm joyous. I'm joyous to be a part of this. You know, that sounds funny, but I am. It may bear my name on this particular platform, but I'm oh, only yeah. a part, you know, and, and I get to sit down in the audience and, and watch brothers like you and sisters who have the same, you, you know, we may we, not be exact, but we're building something together, you yeah. know, because you watch well, a house. You know, in, 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 in an atom, you have to have the nucleus, which you are. So, you know, you can have the, the six protons, six neutrons, and, and six electrons, and you got to have that nuclei right there to hold them together. Oh, you got me with that one. <laughs> yeah. That's you. That's you, bro. You know, you know, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm very joyous. You know, tonight um, at 8 o'clock we have, and that's Eastern Standard Time, we have Positively Angela coming on. Yeah. I'm working on that link right now, but that's going to be there for sure. And um, the work goes on, you know, yes. and when we have these presentations, we have to know that there's much more to it than just the time that you're on. 
It took That's years, right. a lifetime of experience and study for you to get to this point and to let it flow from you so easily. So that I appreciate. When you live the life of something, it's just like when they say muscle memory, you know, you uh -huh. don't have to think about it. It just comes out of you. It flows out of you. So right. you can tell a real scholar, a real master, it just comes out of them. Like I said, I always say, and I'll say this, and I know, I know you're getting ready to go. A young lawyer has to bring his books into his car to refresh his memory before he goes into the court because he, he hasn't had that many years to absorb it. But a lawyer who knows this stuff and been doing it for years, he doesn't have to bring the books even to, into the car. He leaves them at home because mm -hmm. he becomes a law because he knows so much. You know, I'm not big That's enough true. all lawyers because we know most of them are liars and crooks, but that whole processing concept, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that concept, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Experience is our greatest teacher, huh? Exactly. Experience of knowledge, most, yeah. Most definitely. As a matter of fact, I want to make a last point. I'm glad you brought that up, man. I told you he was good, the, the best talker. Uh, Mo, matter of fact, Moses uh, Williams was... Uh, uneducated, but he was one of the most, if not the most celebrated Buffalo soldier. And uh, the uh, commanding officer of his unit, this lieutenant, had graduated from West Point, but he requested Moses Williams to lead that unit than when they were going into battle because he mm -hmm. had to depend on the um, experience of Moses Williams to fight that battle. Whereas he he had the, the what they taught him in school and military, but all of us know it's the difference between what you taught in a school and then what happens in the streets. That's right. And if and if you if you don't have that knowledge, then you're not going to be able to win no battles. So, uh, yeah, that, you know, <clears throat> we have brilliant people um, in our communities. We just, because uh, they don't fit the standards that we've been taught that they have to fit, we just reject them, you know, for what other people say. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, man, I enjoyed this today, Lance. Uh, <laughs> look, yeah, brother. I'm looking forward to getting that text message and what the title will be. And I'll get right to work and make it happen. You know what I mean? We work as a I team. Will. Listen, and, and you're doing a great job, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother Lance. You take care, brother. Most definitely. All right. All right, brother. Peace.
why are we called Negroes? Why are we deaf, dumb, and blind? Why is everybody making progress, yet we seem to be lagging so far behind? Why are we mistreated? Why are we in this condition, stripped of our names, our language, our culture, our God, and our religion? Here in America, all of our religious training has been gotten by the preacher. He has told us of a heaven way up in the sky that we can't enjoy now, but rather after we die. But all of the years that we're living, for us there's nothing but hell, pain, torture, and misgiving. Yet the Bible speaks of a heaven filled with material luxury, which the white man and the preacher has right here, so we see. So my friend, take it for what it's worth. Your heaven and your hell is right here on this earth. So let's check back into history, which rewards all research and tells us plainly. Before the white man gained entry to the east, he was living in the caves of Europe, a ravenous beast, eating juniper roots and eating flesh raw, till God sent Moses to civilize him and teach him the law. Then following Marco Polo, an explorer, he gained entry into Asia and Africa. From China, he took silk and gunpowder. From India, he took jute, manganese, and rubber. He raped Africa of her diamonds and her gold. From the Mideast, he took barrels of oil untold. Raping, robbing, and murdering everything in his path. The whole black world has tasted of the white man's wrath. So my friend, it's not hard to tell. A white man's heaven is a black man's hell. America, we were living in the east by the Nile River. We were living in luxury, enjoying freedom, justice, and equality. We wore silken robes and slippers of gold. We were the wealthiest and the wisest people, I'm told. Now we are the poorest of the poor. Nobody wants us at their door. So, my friend, it's easy to tell. White man heaven is black man hell. When the white man came to America, he told the Indian, I am your white brother. He said, Red man, I'll treat you the best. 
Yet and still he pushed the Indian further west with his white woman and fire water. Tricks and lies, he stole America, the original owner of this nation, is cooped up on a reservation. So, my friend, it's easy to tell white man heaven, black man hell. He needed someone to work the land. His back was too weak. He needed you, black man. So he commissioned Sir John Hawkins to commit the world's most grievous sin. To take a man who's born to be free and bring him down to slavery. To sell a man as merchandise. On his body put a price Oh my friend it's easy to tell White man heaven is black man hell showed up in our country telling us of a land filled with luxury he said black man follow me to america there you'll find more gold for your labor our four parents were tricked onto his boat since that time we've been wrestling with the gold we landed here in jamestown virginia for hundred years to suffer so my friend it's easy to tell white man heaven is black man hell when the slave master wanted to have some sport he would heap on our parents' cruelties of the worst sort Burn them at stake 
And them on trees, his ears were deaf to our parents' pleas. Though you were pregnant, black woman, you pull the plow like a horse, like a dog, even a cow. He filled your womb with his wicked seed. His half white children, you were made to breed. Oh, my friend, it's easy to tell. White man, heaven is a black man. So-called Negro, open up your eyes, black man everywhere is on the rise, he has kicked the white man out of Asia, and he's going fast out of Africa, with every ounce of strength and breath, his cry is give us liberty or give us death, the whole black world has their eyes on you, to see what the so-called Negro is going to do, so my friend it's easy to tell. Our unity will give the white man God made a promise to Abraham His seed would be a stranger in a foreign land They would suffer and be afflicted Four hundred years, but he would come Wipe away their tears Our God and Savior, Allah has come He has declared the white man's day is done He has given us a divine messenger one prophesied to come, his name is Elijah. We now can stand up the whole world to tell. Our God has come to give us heaven and take the devil in. Hey, this is Oscar Gloria. You're listening to the Lance Herb Show. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get. Baby, look outside, uh, a war on the real, baby, look out. 